Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is The Guardian. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. Welcome to the Final Word Ashes Daily. I'm Emma John, and I'm here in the UK, listening to a storm beat on my window through the night while England attempt to save the first Ashes test. Meanwhile, my Australian colleagues, Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon, are enjoying the balmy Brisbane weather over at the Gabba. To begin with, a question for us all. Do you know a lost cause when you see one? Because Joe Root certainly doesn't. Two wickets down, 278 runs behind. That was the match situation when he walked to the crease halfway through the afternoon session. Out in the middle, David Milan was looking the most likely donor for Nathan Lyon's 400th test wicket. This was a gift the spinner had been waiting exactly 325 days for, and the wicked bounce and spin he was conjuring from the Gabba's still greenish wicket looked pretty certain to tease it out soon. For England fans, meanwhile, seeing Root walk to the crease was a bit like watching the valiant commander in the final act of an old war movie. He's one of those heroes who's already pulled off multiple valiant rescues. He's carried one of his injured men across a desert on his back. And then, just when he's got everyone safely back behind the line, he hears a child's cry and you know he's going to head back out into the danger alone. You look at his kind, careworn eyes and you want to scream, Don't do it, man! What more can anyone expect of you? Spare yourself! See your family again! He doesn't, of course, because that's not who he is. And sometimes, just sometimes, the writers even let him make it to the end of the story. At today's close of play, after Pat Cummins had emptied his entire artillery upon him, Joe Root was still standing there, 86 not out. And so, by the way, was his brother-in-arms, Milan. England rode their luck, it's true, but then haven't Australia done the same in this test? Milan survived a DRS appeal for caught behind off Josh Hazelwood and a flying edge a couple of balls later. When he miscued a pull off Pat Cummins to backward square leg, Marcus Harris got the sun in his eyes en route to the ball and ended up wearing it on the chin. Root's innings was a more nerveless one, naturally. He straight drove Cummins and 
cover drove Stark and reverse swept Lyon. And, almost incidentally, in the second over after tea, he pulled a single that broke England's record for number of runs in a calendar year. It has taken a while to reach this point, but finally we've got an actual contest between these sides, and that can only bode well for the rest of the series. England finished the day just 58 runs behind. Still, when their fans in the crowd start whistling the theme tune from The Great Escape tomorrow, they'd be well-placed to remember how that film ends. Thanks to Emma John there in London. Day three, what a day to bat at the Gabba and England have taken full advantage. Let's start at the end of the day first, Jeff. Uh, Milan and Root putting on an unbeaten 159. I've watched show Root make hundreds all around the world this year, be it on television or at the ground, and I'm not surprised to see him bat like this in favourable conditions. But there was that psychological hurdle to clear after being all out 147 on the first day. An enormous deficit of 278. But Root's temperament, and I think Milan, the fact that he wanted to make contact ball on bat from the get-go, and the fact that they both scored. It was such an even-paced partnership the whole way through. And now they've got England to within 58 runs of parity. 58 runs of parity. I think England fans... Let's not get carried away. Only six teams have won after conceding a 200-run first-innings deficit before. But as we learnt last year when India were here, a lot of the rules are being thrown out the window about Test cricket because this white ball uh, mentality is infused within the long-form game. They'll go to bed tonight, Jeff, with Joe Root not out 88 or 86, whatever it is, and Milan there as well, roughly the same. And they'll be thinking something could be very special uh, at their disposal over the next two days if they can get things right for another session tomorrow. So Root 86, Milan 80, and, and Root is four runs away from going to number seven on the list for most runs in a calendar year. He went past 1,500 today. So it, it, it felt like this was the resumption of normal service for Root. The first innings was the aberration. Um, the second was when, I mean... I woke up this morning here in Brisbane and, and it was it was hot. Like 6 a.m. felt like 9 a.m. It was bright. It was hot. And I thought, terrific batting day if they can get the last three wickets without conceding too many. And yep. it didn't look like they'd done that because Travis had pushed on and he made runs and it looked like that lead was too big. But, I mean, they've whittled away so much of it by now that they're – it's not inconceivable that they could put together a decent lead as long as things don't go wrong on day four. It, Root just – he looked so calm and so composed. He didn't reach for the ball, not once that I noticed all day. He waited for the pace to come to him. He did the thing that he does, which is just opening the blade a bit here and there and steering behind point and picking up singles and uh, just knocking the ball around. And David Milan, I, I thought the key for him was that he – He's in this team because he plays short balls well. Not necessarily head-high bounces, but just because he's not discomforted by riding the bounce. Mm. He's, he's got that sort of technique that enables him to do that. And he did that right from the start. He was he was opening the face and, and running the ball away. Uh, he was cutting behind point. He was taking on Nathan Lyon whenever the spinner dropped short. So he, his cross-bat shots, and particularly against Australia's quicks, allowed him to... Uh, to, to, to take command of the situation, I suppose, even though the two openers didn't make a big impression. 
Yeah, and remember, Milan's come into this team off about, well, off one innings for Yorkshire last year in the championship. He's played seven first-class <laughs> games in the last two years. Two of them are test matches. I mean, you know, like, it, it shouldn't work, but it kind of does because he's a player of vast experience. He's been around the world a number of times on the T20 circuit. He isn't daunted by the occasion. I mean, we spoke to him on the final word, Jeff, this time last year, mm -hmm. and his red ball hopes were still there. But I think to a certain extent, uh, his test career he thought was behind him, which means that now it's like, in the same way we spoke about Travis Head being liberated yesterday by uh, being returned to this team and playing very much what is his best game, I think there's some similarities there with Milan. He wasn't going for it today by any stretch of the imagination. He was playing conservatively by his standards. But yeah, I like what the point you make about riding the bounce, especially out towards cover point. He does it all day long. Uh, he doesn't seem daunted about getting out the way of the short ball. It was always going to come, much as it did at the Wacker four years ago when he made that splendid Ashes 100. So I think good selection, uh, confident selection. Uh, I know we talked a lot about England lacking in confidence at the selection table, but I, I like where Milan fits at the moment. And Joe Root, he was 16th uh, in terms of all-time runs in a calendar year at the start of today. He's now seventh. By the, end of, by the end of lunch tomorrow, I suppose, he might be up to fifth or sixth or something like that, uh, such as the clip that he's going at. And that, and that clump of uh, players who are somewhere between 1,500 and 1,600. Jeff, I know you've been monitoring this ever so closely over the last couple of months, but uh, <laughs> we saw what Root's capable of in the subcontinent. We saw what he was capable of uh, against India when he batted so nicely with 300s in three consecutive test matches and I'm so pleased that that's translating to uh, this country and this series where he's never made three figures before. Well, I, I felt like what this is what they picked David Milan for was, the, you know, the days on relatively flatter surfaces in good batting conditions but good Australian batting conditions, they needed yep. someone who could really profit and, and Milan can and Root can profit in any conditions anywhere around the world. So there was a big clump of players between 1,400 and 1,500 that he went past as well. Uh, he's the biggest scorer for England now in a calendar year, went past his own tally and Johnny Bairstow and Michael Vaughan um, in that sort of 1,400 range. So uh, right up there, but he looked so composed doing it. It was a minor victory for England in that Rory Burns was not out in the first over of the innings. He was given out from the final ball of the first over and then reprieved on DRS and managed to at least uh, hang around until after the lunch break. And look, it wasn't a huge contribution, but Australia finished up with 45 minutes left in the morning session and had a wicket fallen before lunch. It, it, it could have presaged well, some three-day test, right? Yeah. I mean, 75 overs Australia had to bowl. I mean, that was the first thing I said to my colleagues on air. It was 75 overs to bowl. If Australia can get the job done today, that means two days off, back-to-back -back test matches, the bowlers not having to bowl uh, tomorrow. That's a huge advantage. We talk about marginal gains in a test mm. series, often on our show. That would have been a considerable marginal gain, if you know what I'm trying to say, for Australia, not having to effectively work on the weekend. But now they've got eight wickets to take on the Saturday. And Josh Hazelwood's only bowled eight of the 70 overs. We're not entirely sure mm. uh, what the story is there. He was off the ground late in the day. Mitchell Stark bowled a, a lightning over to Rory Burns to start, actually to Hamid, then Burns. We'll, we'll talk about uh, Burns not, not taking the first ball in a sec, but uh, gets Burns given out leg before an overturned. After lunch, Stark was wayward. 
did get a wicket, did get Hamid caught down the leg side, but uh, he wasn't anywhere near as potent as he was on morning one. And suddenly it's a different kind of conversation for Patrick Cummins, who has to go to Marnus Labuschagne, has to go to Cameron Green for more than one over here and there. I know Green looked quite good today, but nevertheless, it's not the ideal. It's not plan A, put it that way. So, yeah, it, it does make for, for a fascinating day tomorrow on the basis of what England might achieve if they knock off the deficit, but also asking lots of questions of Australia. Can they dig deep and, and press home the advantage they very much earned over the first seven sessions of this test match? I'd like to talk about Patrick Cummins for a second. He bowled so well, even through that yeah. partnership. I mean, he got driven through the covers a couple of times, but, you know, literally a couple of times. He was moving the ball away from Root. He was testing him out. He brought himself on and Hazelwood on as soon as Root came to the crease to really attack, you know, knowing that they're the two who've who've had some success against Root over a period of time. They didn't get his wicket, but they really tested him out through that spell. I mean, Hazelwood, the, the way that he keeps cutting the ball in past the right-handers inside edge and hits them on the body, hits them on the pads and then decks it away and Cummins just with that suffocating line and the fact that Root got through that examination and, and was able to prosper afterwards was credit to him but yeah Hazelwood then off the field no explanation didn't uh, didn't see much of him for the rest of the day David Warner wasn't on the field for the whole innings the story on him is that he's got bruised ribs he got hit when he was batting and so I think Twice. the Australian the Australian gamble was okay if you're off the field for the whole innings you can't then bat afterwards but the Australian uh, assumption was they probably wouldn't need to bat again and therefore there was no point in him coming on and if they do need to bat again tomorrow then they can bring him on tomorrow and make sure that he's able to open the innings with the bat if required so I don't think there's anything bigger than that with David Warner I didn't get that impression at the ground but um, he did spend the entire time off the field. Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com finding your perfect home was hard but thanks to Burrow furnishing it has never been easier Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium durable materials including stain and scratch resistant fabrics so they're not just comfortable and stylish they're built to last Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Today. There are some concerns. Uh, I think when uh, when they arrived this morning, they were a little bit worried about whether he might have cracked the rib. He's had a scan. I think that's precautionary. But back-to-back test matches, so I'll just remind you that Usman Khawaja averages 96 when opening the batting for Australia. So um, mm-hmm. if they do need to uh, leave Warner out on the basis of fitness next week. And you're probably right that they, they were they were banking on not needing Warner, thus why he was off the field. And now they might, but he can bat down the list. And I mean, they've got options. They're still uh, fundamentally steering this game, especially you talk about Cummins, that ball to burn was an absolute brute. They're 10 overs away from a second new ball, an extra night's sleep, the restorative powers of that. And, you know, I must say, Nathan Lyon stuck on 399 test wickets. I made a note earlier that he's been uh, on 390, uh, in the 390s rather, uh, for three weeks longer uh, than it was the case that the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a public health emergency of international (laughs) concern. So uh, really, it has been a really long time, more than I think 
nearly 1,300 deliveries he's bowled uh, since taking uh, since taking wicket number 390 at the SCG in January 2020. But I wouldn't be too worried about Lyon. Lyon's not bowling poorly. I've seen Lyon bowl poorly and snatch at it. He's not doing that. Uh, mm. Things just aren't breaking his way right now. So uh, he's creating half chances that aren't going to hand. And, you know, I think that once he breaks the drought, so to speak, and gets wicket 400, he might still have quite a profitable series. But ever so frustrating for him that it's such a focus right now, as it was at the Gabba uh, 10 months ago, that he can't quite creep over the line to wicket 400 as yet. I thought he did start snatching at it later in the day. He, he bowled some really good stuff to David Milan early, some big turners, um, turned it away from the bat, made him think about it a bit. But I, I don't know if you noticed his speeds creeping up through the day, but he was bowling a lot at 89, 90, 91 kilometres an hour rather than down at sort of 85, 86. It doesn't sound like a huge difference, right. but it can be. And and when Lions be, really... Yeah going well he's 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 ripping the ball um, over the top of the ball he's making sure he gives it lots of overspin so that it bounces up high and it just it just looked like he was darting it down more as the day went on so it, I felt like that frustration was starting to get to him that he's been he's been bowling for a long time in the 390s as you say and, and hasn't been able to tip over yeah I think that also is to the enormous credit of root especially the way that he played lion I mean lion at his best uh, so rather root at his best I should say when facing spin as we saw through the English summer wherever you move a fielder that's where he gets a single next ball and there was a little bit of that going on uh, with Nathan Lyon in the final session I felt that no matter what uh, Pat Cummins did with Lyon in terms of adjusting the field Root was almost taking the mick which is a, a great place to be for the England captain who copped a whack himself by the way inside edge on a Mitchell Stark delivery back onto his knee he was uh, incapacitated for about two minutes there I'm not sure whether that might have an effect on the way he plays tomorrow but he's made of uh, pretty tough stuff Joe Root so yeah I mean, my overarching emotion as we record this podcast, Jeff, is excitement. I, I was genuinely worried at Stumps on day one, indeed on Stumps on day two, uh, that this could have that, you know, whisper at 5-0 feel about it. And look, maybe it will play out that way. But the very fact that England have had two fabulous sessions and have not only achieved those marginal gains I spoke of before, almost certainly making Australia bat a second time and into day four and all the rest of it, but have reminded everybody that they've got an absolute superstar in route, uh, a most able man riding shotgun in Dava Milan at number three. And yes, Burns out of form, out early again. Yes, Hamid down the leg side, but looked kind of set the time that he did. You know, again, it's a, a small but noteworthy point on the way through. Uh, it might not be quite as uncompetitive as we feared a couple of days ago. And, that, and that's got to be a good for this series. So the final word Hall of Fame where we pick the most final word moment of the day. Uh, what stood out to you on day three, Adam? I'm going to doff my cap to Travis Head for some of the outlandish shots uh, that he played towards the end of his mega innings of 1-5-2. Uh, not least the shot off Mark Wood when he walked across his stumps with uh, Ollie Pope uh, fielding at deep backward square leg and almost, it was a pickup shot off middle stump off Mark Wood, bowling 150 clicks and placed it right over Pope's head. And I thought, what a lovely punctuation mark on an incredibly enjoyable innings to watch and to call uh, and what I hope will be a turning point in this young man's career. Uh, and yes, I thought it was final word, Hall of Fame worthy, just how bold it was at the time. Yes, he was batting with the tail and all the rest of it, but you've got to have some pretty serious skills to pull that off. And, and Travis Head certainly has that. What I liked most about that shot was that he'd already rehearsed it and missed it. He, he tried it at the yes. start 
start of the over. Um, nearly lost his leg stump and then said, you know what, I think I'll do that again and then <laughs> nailed it the second time around. Particularly enjoyed that. Uh, a Hall of Fame nomination for me would be Jack Leach getting two overs this morning that went for seven runs. After bowling 11 overs that went for 95 yesterday, <laughs> he came back on and got through a couple of tidy ones, one for a couple of singles, uh, one for five. That must have felt beautiful to Jack Leach to get through a couple of cheap ones. He's still got 100 next to his name, though. I saw some of the more, uh, or shall we say, now, you know, I won't describe what type of Twitter accounts they are, but the type of Twitter account that would do that uh, made light of the fact that he's the first uh, England player to rack up 100 this series uh, from, I think, mm. about 13 overs or something like that. So, 13 yes, overs. Is, uh, but behind the eight ball, as it were. Anything else for us, Hall of Fame-wise, Jeff? Maybe the fact that they had to ring in um, a, a guy from the a Gold Coast Premier Cricket oh, yeah. Club. Um, the, was it Hugo Barden, I think his name was, who had to field for the whole day? Hugo Barden. He goes down alongside... He well, we've seen a few of these over the years, haven't we? Uh, Theo Jeropoulos did that fabulous catch uh, out at the Wacker. Marnus Labuschagne as well. I think Theo Jeropoulos took that catch and underneath his name it said Marcus Stoinis. It wasn't Marcus, it was Theo, uh, who now, of course, works as a colleague of ours in the media. And Marnus took that brilliant catch to remove Ross Taylor on 291, which... Uh, cause some controversy for, for some other reasons that uh, aren't worth revisiting now. So, yeah, I always like it when there's a subfielder from a, a club team, not even the Shield team. Uh, so that that's pretty Hall of Fame worthy. Player of the day, maybe it goes to Milan for me rather than Root because Root's the obvious one, but Root will be player of the day about six other times probably <laughs> through this, the series. Um, David Milan was important in that this is the job he was picked for, as, as I suggested earlier, and he delivered in the first test. Yeah, and always nice to see uh, part of the Final Word crew in Dava Milana, former guest of the show. If you want to hear our long interview with him, it's in the back catalogue from when he and I were in hotel quarantine together uh, last year, about four doors down uh, in our hotel in Perth. Uh, that is it for the Final Word Daily today. Thank you for everyone who's involved in the production behind the scenes on what we're doing. To all our patrons, to all our listeners, hope you have an enjoyable night if you're in Australia or a wonderful day if you're in England. This test match isn't quite yet in the balance, but it might be trending that way. I'd watch tomorrow. Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon signing off. This has been the final word daily. That's it for today. Thanks from Adam, Jeff, and me for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and maybe even share us with your friends. This episode was produced by Joe Koning. And the final word is produced by Bad Producer Productions and edited by James Hurley. The executive producers are Gabrielle Jackson and Melanie Tate.